I just wanted to make it better as best as I could without dwelling on the negativity of harm that really exists everywhere, not just in the yoga space, but in every single industry. That's something that really drives me forward every day. How can I find a better way? How can I find a better way to share moving well, taking good care of yourself, moving in a way that feels like you? Welcome to Successful, the podcast, a show about the stories of women redefining success. We're your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Natalie. Like you, we're two career women figuring out the meaning of success. In each episode, we bring you our stories and the stories of other women who are redefining success in life, in work, and on their own terms. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Successful, the podcast. I am Carla, and I am here joined by my wonderful co-host, Natalie Burke. Natalie, how's it going? Hey, my dear. How are you? I'm good. Just another day on the road, you know. Just another day. <laughs> yeah. I realize I just skipped over your question. I'm doing good. <laughs> Like, let's throw it back at you. No, I'm doing great. <laughs> well, I appreciate the focus on me. <laughs> no, it's good to be back with you. I am just, honestly, I feel like I'm having so much fun on season two. Not that I mm -hmm. didn't have fun in season one, but I feel just like every episode, I'm like, yeah, let's go into this. Let's talk to this amazing guest. Let's yeah. catch up with Natalie. I'm having a, a blast. I feel the same way. I think it's some of the the nerves with season one of like, what are we doing? We have yep. no idea, but we're putting it out there anyway. Now we've gotten some <laughs> feedback, right? And now we, we've gotten in a little bit of a groove and it just, it feels a bit more easy, I guess. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Things are feeling like they're more in flow. And speaking of flow, you know, one of the things that I've been meaning to ask you about, because we haven't talked about this. We used to talk about this part of our lives a lot more, I think in the beginning of season one, and that is our yoga practice. So both of us are certified yoga teachers. You've been teaching a lot on getting more into it now with some upcoming teaching gigs. But I haven't asked you in a while how your classes are going. I know you teach every Monday evening at a rock climbing gym that also teaches yoga. So I'm just curious to know how, how it's all going. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's funny. I it's just something that I do now. And I think we talked a lot about it in the beginning because it was very it was very very new. Like I had just gotten my yoga teacher certification not, you know, too long before we had started this podcast. So, it was very fresh on the brain, but it's really going well. It's really become one of my favorite things that I do. And I really wasn't fully expecting that. I knew that I would love it. I know I love teaching people like I do. I've run trainings at work and I really love teaching people how to do things in general. I think it's very fun, but I didn't fully expect to enjoy it as much as I do. Um, I know I wanted to love it and I think that's why I kind of set my expectations as like very low. <laughs> like, you know, who knows how you'll feel when you're up in front of, you know, 20, 30 people. But, you know, every Monday evening I'll finish work, eat a quick dinner, and then I'm out the door ready to, you know, teach my class. So 
it's sometimes hard after a long day to get the motivation to like get up and leave. But once I'm there and I'm in the studio and I'm I'm welcoming people in, I just remember how how much I love moving together, maybe getting to speak some little word of wisdom, something that I've learned along the way to these folks. And then that feeling that you get after class, that that feeling of connection with other people. Most of these people are complete strangers to me, but some of them are regulars now, which is which is really fun. But you just start to break down the barriers of being strangers with one another because you've you've been in this room and you've breathed and there's just this level of comfortability and um you know the egos kind of come down and it's just a really beautiful thing and I've got I have great conversations with people after class and I get to do a little bit of meditation while they're in shavasana and I'm always in that moment where all of the students are are laying down and the music is going and they're in shavasana and I'm just kind of sitting there I'm just so thankful like it's just like my body is just filled with gratitude that I get to help people to relax and you know, it's just a wonderful feeling. So it's been very, very fun. I wish I could do it more, but life is very busy. So yeah, I have to say, I think of you every Monday evening. I'm like, oh, Natalie must be going off to her <laughs> to her yoga class. And yeah, I love to much. hear that you're that you're really loving it. I remember when I don't take as many studio classes anymore because I'm on the road, right? But when I lived in Dallas and other cities before that, I used to go a lot to yoga classes. And I would look at the teacher getting ready for the class, putting on the music, making sure that everybody had their props, you know, whatever they needed. And I just thought, gosh, what a cool person. Yeah. <laughs> I always looked up to to yoga teachers in the studio. Now I look up to yoga teachers online, right? Because that's mm-hmm. where I get my yoga now. Um, but I... I just visualize you in that studio being that cool teacher that I used to look at, <laughs> getting ready for the class. I don't sure know how cool I am. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> it's just, it's still a little bit, I mean, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome there still, right? Like, I definitely don't feel like that cool yoga teacher. And I remember looking at yoga teachers and feeling very intimidating or intimidated to talk to them because felt like they knew so much and I remember just like jetting off after class and I look back and, you know, I love talking to people after class and I wish I would have just gone up and said hi now yeah, um, because they're people too. But I know you are teaching one of your first in-person classes in a while Yes, and you're doing a festival. (laughs) I know. I'm going big. You are. So when I got my yoga certification, it was all online because it was during COVID. And so I taught classes, but it was all online. It was all on Zoom. And since then, I just haven't taught very much because I'm on the road, right? And so, you know, it's really hard to be like, oh, I'll just pop into the studio. Um, But I have this really unique opportunity coming up at the end of October. Some of my friends that are RVers heard through the grapevine that I am a certified yoga teacher and they're like, hey, you should you should teach, you know, you should think about doing it at festivals more. Like being on the road is not an excuse to not teach. There's different ways that you can do it. It doesn't have to be at a studio. It could be at these festivals for other RVers or or just festivals for people like music festivals. And so I thought, you know what? Why not? Now's now's a great time. You know, people are doing so much more in person. And so so I said yes. So I'm going to teach two 
classes and I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. I'm nervous because I haven't taught in a while. And so that's definitely mm-hmm. something I need to get back into, you know, even if I do it online, just kind of get back into the flow of having a sequence and, and you know, instructing in, in a way that that flows well for people and being really present. And I'm so used to, you know, I do, I practice yoga, but I so used to just listening to the instructions. Right. And, and it's very different when you're on the other side and you're thinking about how are people going to know to bring their back right leg to meet the front left leg. And you just need to be clear about that um, and, and not stumble through your words too much. And so mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about, okay, you know, how do I prepare myself for this really cool opportunity that I see as a potential opening to other classes that I can teach. So really be a nomadic yoga teacher. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. You're going to yeah. do fantastic. It's those first few are really, they can be scary. I mean, you're going into a new situation and, and it can be, it can be nerve wracking for sure. But we talk in this episode about, you know, showing up as yourself. And I think my best classes are the ones that I enjoy doing for me. <laughs> and yeah. I'll just like sit there on my mat and, and figure something out like, okay, you know, I really love going into pigeon at the end. And so I'll just do this maybe in the middle and see how that feels. And um, I play a lot on the mat before yeah. my classes. And I think that that helps to to make it a little bit, little bit more natural and you just you like what you teach better when it's something that you do for yourself. So that's yeah. my only bit of advice, but you're going to do great. That's great advice. I appreciate that. And yeah. I'm really really excited about the guests that we have on today. There's a reason why we're talking about yoga. It's not just random. <laughs> so Natalie, tell us who is on the show today. We have a amazing guest today. Her name is Tara Styles. She is the owner of a company called Strala Yoga. And she's been teaching yoga for a long time. Um, I found her back in the early 2000s on YouTube um, when she was just posting YouTube videos. And I found her energy really fun and um, I started following her. And I've, you know, stayed in contact with her ever since. I mean, in terms of following her on on social media and shooting a message every now and then if I liked a class. And it's been amazing to see her grow her career from – you know, a studio in New York City to, you know, she's got studios all over the world and she's a best-selling author and um, just an all-around very cool person. So we are really thrilled that we get to share this conversation that we had with Tara with you all today. Here is Tara Styles. So we, we send out some emails like, people we never thought we would be able to interview. And lo and behold, a few of them said yes. And then we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Today, we have one of those guests. She is somebody who I have been following personally for quite a long time. Tara, welcome to the podcast. Wow, you all are so nice. I was so excited to see an email from you and hear about what your podcast is about. And yeah, that's really sweet that... (laughs) That you reached out. So I'm, I'm happy to be here too. Thank you. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's it's so funny because I feel like I already know you so well. It's so hilarious. It feels like just talking to an old friend because I've been watching your videos since I was a teenager, not to wow. like date myself. But yeah, you've been with me for a long time. <laughs> I think that dates me more than it dates you, but I'm totally Does cool it? With that. <laughs> that, that happens to me, you know, all the time. And I feel really 
excited about that. There was one moment in New York, this girl, she was probably in her late teens, came up to me and she was with her mom. And she said, oh my gosh, I just read your book. And it was this book about kind of really taking care of yourself and being vulnerable. And her mother said, who are you? And how does my daughter know you? (laughs) I said, don't worry, don't worry. It's it's all good. It's yoga, easy, you know, taking care of yourself. It's the internet. And then she freaked out again too. (laughs) Oh no. I totally get it. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Well, I just remember, I have to tell you this story real quick. So I have been into wellness and like yoga and I was a vegan for my last two years of high school, first year of college. My parents were like horrified. They're like, what do we do with this child? We don't know how to feed her now. Um, <laughs> but for my senior year trip, so after I had graduated for high school, I wanted to go to New York City. And one of the places I wanted to go was Strala Yoga back when you guys had your um, your big location in, I think it was Soho. Is it so yeah. So I did visit you guys and I took one of your classes when I was 18. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you believe that? It was so That's long so ago. Cool. But uh, it was so, so cool. awesome. Yeah. And I was so nervous. I was with one of my friends. I was like, do I go say hi to her? And she's yeah. like, yes. And she like pushed me. She's like, go say hi. I was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> so shy. Oh, that's that's the best. I mean, for me – And especially having a studio, that's just an excuse to hang out and talk with people and get to know people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, the yoga is good and something to do, but just that being around people and kind of practicing how to be yourself, that's kind of my main excitement about having a studio for sure. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, I love (laughs) it. Um, So I think we're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit, but could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and about your company? Sure. I'm Tara. Hey, Tara. Uh, Hello. (laughs) And I think like a lot of people, I'm sure similar to you, I got into yoga around high school age. I kind of got lucky. I feel like a lot of people have the same story with yoga. We kind of stumble upon it and then our whole life (laughs) changes. And that's really everybody's story. But it's mine too. And I grew up doing dance, contemporary dance, and my dance teacher brought a yoga teacher into our program. And that was still kind of new for bringing yoga into schools or, you know, any kind of program like that. And I remember seeing this teacher, it was a guy, he kind of looked like Jack Tripper from Three's Company, kind of 70s in the 90s, early 2000s. And he was simply happy and kind of radiating ease for absolutely no reason. Nobody was giving him any attention. I thought about it and I thought, this can't really be a job or something he's earning money or anything for. This this kind of inner peace was really coming from the inside. There was no external validation. And I thought, this is amazing. I want this for my life. I want to keep learning more about this. And then Of course, I think like a lot of folks, probably I'm sure similar to you all within your wellness paths, I had this kind of feeling like I was being whacked on the back of my head that said, go share this with your friends, go share this with your family, find ways to share yoga in a way that feels comfortable, that feels like you. And I kind of had that feeling that yoga has been around for, you know, a long, long time, but maybe the reason that my friends and family and beyond weren't doing specific kinds of yoga, they were intimidated or, you know, felt the strangeness that it could bring up. And really, I had this experience that it felt so amazing and magical and mystical, but also really 
like something I already had inside and I wanted to share that with people. So that, that whack kind of kept me going forward into New York and I was doing lots of different jobs and dancing and things like that and kind of fell into doing TV commercials and that was really fun. I got to kind of be goofy and get paid occasionally to do things like that. And I was always talking to people about yoga, whether it was on a TV commercial set or a dance gig. If somebody was stressed or had a headache or a life problem, I would first ask them if they did yoga. And if they said no, I would kind of do a, a quick tutorial of movements that I thought could help them feel better, whether it was alternate nostril breathing or a back opener or something like that. So it was always kind of in me to share yoga in this way that would help people feel better. So, and again, I think like so many people that end up on this path, one thing kept leading to another. There wasn't really yoga as a job anywhere that I could see as an example, really nothing like it is now. But I started to see more of the older yoga studios and some of them were offering workshops and training. So I started going to these kinds of things wherever I could find them and eventually just started leading a class in Central Park for free. <laughs> and that was really fun. I loved it. So and fun. It was super fun. And, and people were asking me to lead them one-on-one. -on -one. And I did that for a long time just for fun as well. And people started handing me $20, $40 when I would leave their house. And I'm thinking, why are you giving me money? This is something that I do for fun and I'm happy to do this. And it was, it was literally people explaining to me that I was doing a good job and this is something that I could do for a job. So I kind of figured it out and figured it out from there, really started a small studio in Mike's apartment at the time. His living room was a little bit bigger than mine. We could fit about 10 yoga mats. So one thing kept leading to another and it still feels the same though for me. I feel like I just get so happy sharing yoga with people, helping people feel better and hearing those connections of stories from really anybody that found a spark in themselves or got something good on their journey or healed themselves in some way. Or, you know, we all have such amazing stories when it comes to yoga and taking good care of ourselves. But for me, that magic is definitely in hearing and sharing those stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And it sounds like you just listen to what felt good for you. And you you say this a lot in your practice when you're teaching, but it sounds like you were just kind of guided like, oh, I, I like this. I like making people feel better. I really like yoga for myself. And you just started like going down what you actually were gravitating towards instead of trying to fit into some kind of box maybe that you were told you needed to fit into, which I think is a trap a lot of people, especially young people fall into. Yeah, definitely. I, I think for me with yoga, I grew up in the Catholic religion and and school and that whole thing. So I kind of started understanding yoga in that way. You have this this style, this style, this style, this style, and everything is so different, but really everything has so much in common as well. And I'm sure like you like you both, and I'm sure many of the listeners feel like it's just good to do something that's helpful without being so intense about it and divisive mm -hmm. about it. And if you want to go to that place that's really specific and if that's your thing, you know, have a good time. But for whatever reason, the people that I was meeting weren't interested or catching on to the really kind of intense styles of yoga at that time. So I really saw 
for myself, I, I didn't feel like I wanted to fit into those intense styles. I wanted to be myself and I could be myself while doing yoga and other people also wanted to be themselves while doing yoga. <laughs> so for mm -hmm. whatever reason, that seems so simple and elementary to me. Why can't we just be ourselves and do yoga? But for whatever reason, especially then there were these very intense styles and it was, you either do it this way or you're doing it wrong. And it kicked a lot of people out, I think, of those styles. Either you were in or you were out and mm -hmm. that was sort of it. Yeah. And that's something that I even see today. So um, I don't think we mentioned in our bios, but both Carla and I are yoga teachers also. So cool. we're in the group. Um, but I do, I teach live every Monday evening and people will always be like, well, what type of, what type of yoga is this? Is it strictly vinyasa or is it Bikram? And they're, they're like trying to get down to like the exact, exact style. And we say it's just all levels. So it's it. it's hard to put like a label on that because there's so many different things that I draw from. I know a lot of my fellow yoga teachers at my studio draw from, but it I still see it a lot today where people are like, what do I expect? Can I just go into this one box? And I'm like, no, let's just chill. Like it'll all be okay. And I think for me, you were one of the people who first modeled that. When I started going to yoga classes, all that was available was Bikram in my location. So that's kind of like all that I knew except for what was online. So it was just, um, it's been a bit of a journey to, to try to understand what works for me. And I'm sure the same thing for you, but something that I've always been impressed with, with you is how you've stayed consistently yourself, or at least from my external perception of like who Tara is online. You don't seem very different right now, so I'm assuming that you just show up as yourself all the time. But I've, I've just always been impressed how consistent you are. So I'm curious what authenticity means to you and, and how it helps you to, to show up in the world and, and craft what you give to us um, through all of your various ventures. Oh my gosh, you're so nice. But I think you're a really good example for people, especially having something so intense as Bikram and then also being able to find yourself. I have friends that have been doing yoga for so long and they know that Bikram hurts them in certain ways, but they just keep going back mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. of that immediate release of, oh, it's so hot and I'm so sweaty and I did something good, but wait a minute, my back hurts afterwards, but then they go back again. So good for you and good for you for figuring out really what works for you as well, because it is so challenging when you have so many other things going on. But I think for me, part of what kind of looking at that maybe backwards is I, I didn't like a lot of the things that I saw that were harmful. And maybe there's something in me that wants to kind of stand up for my friend who's getting bullied or tell somebody that has low self-esteem that it's going to be okay. And you know, whenever I saw styles or teachers, and sometimes it wasn't even their fault, they were learning a style that said push somebody into a pose and they were doing it and they had good intentions and they were saying nice things, but the action was maybe a little bit harmful as well. I just wanted to make it better as best as I could without being negative so much or dwelling on the negativity of harm that really exists everywhere, not just in the yoga space, but in every single industry, every single thing that we see in life. And I think that's 
something that really drives me forward every day. How can I find a better way? How can I find a better way to share moving well, taking good care of yourself, moving in a way that feels like you and and continue that? So I think that kind of being authentic to me is really just in the ingredients of actually doing the thing anyway. And I guess it would be a challenge. I I don't really know how to be anybody else in this way. And I know probably yeah. everybody <laughs> says that, but for some reason I'm just wired that I wouldn't be good at it in that way. And I never tried so much to be someone else. I just, I think everybody's kind of interesting and weird and cool. And maybe I just, grew up naive in that way and then showed up in New York City and I'm like, well, here I am. <laughs> and I just continue to be myself. Yeah. And I think and I think when I I also got good feedback when I was feeling connected in myself and also learning something useful like learning yoga. And the two kind of went together. That's when I really started to see, oh, this is a good formula when you're yourself and you're improving at what you're doing more people would come to my classes. I was starting to get more opportunities and I would feel good and the people around me, I could sense that they would feel good as well. So I noticed that that's a necessary component instead of trying to really be like somebody else out of being afraid or worried or um, nervous about something that's really who, who I would be for sure. It's really refreshing to just hear this, you know, that this just be you, you know, just be you and just do it in a way that that feels authentic and in a way that feels kind and compassionate. I'm figuring out kind of my own yoga teacher you know, journey myself. And, and this idea of being yourself has also been a really important theme in my business as a coach. But the reality is that as you're figuring things out, there is this it's just natural to have these moments of self-doubt, right? I'm sure when you got, got to New York, I love that you were like, yep, I'm here. But I'm sure there was also some like, oh my goodness, it's New York City. Like this is, you know, this is the real, real deal, you know, big city. And I'm curious, as you've grown your business, how have you grown your self-belief and overcome moments of uncertainty and self-doubt? I kind of had this thought about this question, just asking myself a long time ago, that we're all we're all born so many different ways. And I remember being a little kid and selling blow pops out of my locker in high school <laughs> because I wanted to have money for gas. My parents let me borrow the car to take my friends to starve rock and go hiking and all this stuff. And people thought that that was really weird that I was selling blow pops out of my locker, but I loved it. I love not just earning the money from the blow pops, but I love that people would come and we would talk and hang out. And it was looking back on it, super similar to how I feel about leading yoga. And for me, it's, it's this sort of doing the things, first of all, that take good care of myself, like all the things that we know now we're so spoiled. Wellness is a word, but you can grab onto the things that you know work for you. So I know for me, movement, yoga, meditation, eating healthy, remembering to drink lots of water, those super boring, you know, your mom's going to tell you to do these things, things are really important, but also just getting to know myself of who I am kind of at the core level from birth or whatever on, I've kind of always been this way. I've always wanted to create something and share something that brings people together. That's always a part of me. 
And then kind of going through my life at certain stages and asking myself, is this still something that is exciting for me? Is it still fun? Am I still helping people or am I kind of stuck in a job that I created for myself that I don't want to go to anymore? And I think a lot of people now, because being an entrepreneur is so romanticized that it becomes a goal for a lot of people that maybe you don't even need to think about it that way, or maybe you don't even need to do it in that way. Maybe it's one area that you really are excited about, but your mind tells you that you should be doing something else. So for me, I know it's that kind of not not caring about my mental gymnastics of do other are other people going to think that I'm cool if I do it this way <laughs> and think about what do I really want to do that will be really fun for me and if it needs to earn money if it needs to be a business is that going to work is that going to happen or how can I work toward that goal how can I live sustainably so that's fun and not stressful those kinds of maybe more boring questions but I think the core question for me always, and I always kind of reflect on this monthly or it's not so, you know, scheduled in my calendar, but pretty often. And if is, am I still having fun or is there anything else that I'd like to do? Or how can I make this better for myself and for the people that I'm helping? Do the people I'm helping even want me to help them anymore? <laughs> you know, is there other ways <laughs> that I can help? You know, these kinds of questions I think are really fun because at the end of the day now with social media, I think a lot of people feel pressure to do things in a certain way because the successful people look like they're doing things in a certain way. And then people end up doing things that they really don't want to be doing with most of their time. And I just really believe that it doesn't have to be that way, that you can create your own path based on what you're interested in doing. And and yeah, if you want it to become a business and earn money, you can think about that a little bit, but you shouldn't at least, I don't think it's very sustainable or fun to create a life for yourself that you ultimately don't enjoy because it might be more fun to go work at the post office than have your free time doing whatever you enjoy. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's, I think all these kind of big questions are worth asking yourself on a regular basis and not be afraid of of the answer, not be afraid of what you're going to find inside because it might be radically different than how you're spending your time right now. And I've definitely kind of changed things that I was doing along the way with Strala and with other work things that I was doing just based on my life and what I wanted and how I wanted it to go and how I wanted it to look and the way that I was feeling. So I think it would have been really easy for me to have a life with Strala that I'm miserable with inside, <laughs> really easy, but I have one that I'm really joyful and happy and calm with inside. And I think that's a priority for me, for sure, to have that calm and that joyfulness, because I know just the basic kind of math of nobody else is going to feel good if I don't feel good. I can't help people feel better if I'm actually miserable inside. I love that prioritization on fun. That's something that Natalie and I talk about quite a bit, you know, really being more playful and, and prioritizing, you know, what feels good for you versus what we think we should be doing because it pays more or because other people will be more impressed by it or whatnot. So I love this questioning that it sounds like you do constantly of, Am I still having fun? Is this still exciting to me? Do people still want my service? But is it also something that 
fulfills me. And I must say that I'm, I'm reading your book right now. I think it's your latest book, Clean Mind, Clean Body. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know the title's a mouthful. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's an awesome book. And I'm really appreciating the structure of it. So it has different weeks to focus on different detox aspects. Like right now I'm detoxing my mind. And it's been really helpful to think about how to put away my technology a little bit earlier before I go to bed. And this morning I thought of you because I was um, I went right into my meditation session in the morning, but I looked at the news before that. I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> I need to not look at my phone, just go into my meditation. So anyway, I've really been enjoying your book and just kind of the structure that you provide. And in the beginning, you were very vulnerable and very honest about your own journey. You made a name for yourself in your career. You really achieved so much, but it, it was coming at a cost, uh, both in your relationships, your your own well-being. And you talk about how you came to a point where you realized, like, I just can't keep going in the way that I have, and you started to make some changes. I'm just curious if you'd be open to sharing a little bit of what that journey was like, where you got to that point, and you were just like, I can't keep going this way. Yeah, gosh, well, I think my main lesson from going through all of that is that being busy is very hard. <laughs> and for me, and maybe for a lot of other people, that was the goal. I really wanted to be doing things, be asked to be a part of projects, to have Strala be in all these different places and be out in the world participating in this way. And when that was happening and growing and growing and growing, I think a lot of people feel this way, kind of like you're being buried by your own ideas of what you wanted. <laughs> and it was still very exciting and fun and so many things that I'm grateful for now and also then and appreciative for. So it's not like being busy was this big drag, but it's it's probably very close to impossible to be taking good care of yourself at the at the busiest you might be in your life so far. So I really learned during that that there was so much that I could have done better to still do all of the things that I was doing, but to unbusy my mind and to unbusy myself and to not kind of ping pong myself around the literal globe as much as I was doing just to kind of maintain this idea that I'm doing a good job for myself. I, I would do silly things because I was running on empty, maybe, you know, going to an event in Europe and then coming back to New York for something and then going to Asia instead of just staying in Europe for two more days and then going, you know. So all of these things that I completely wanted to happen, but I was not as clear-minded to be calm and slow and in the moment as I kind of was forced to be by having these little experiences of, oh, my life is everything that I wanted, but I'm actually frazzled and my relationship isn't working and what am I doing? <laughs> so it's it's hard. And I think a lot of people have this, this experience as well. And I'm not, you know, a celebrity. I, I imagine what actual celebrities and people that are famous with really busy schedules have to deal with. Mike, my husband was watching a documentary about Michael Jordan and 
he would say that he never even was allowed to be alone. I was alone a lot, but I didn't have like an assistant in the car with me at all times. But, you know, people like Michael Jordan were never able to be with their own thoughts because they always had an interview or an appointment or a meeting or something happening or a book they were writing or something they needed to sign off on. And I had just a tiny bit of that. And it was really, really hard for me, for sure. Yeah. I think we can both probably identify with that a lot. I know Carla and I worked for the same company. I still work for this company, but we used to travel every single week. And that is an insane... I look back and I'm like, how did I do that? I have no idea like where I found that energy. I was a little bit younger, but still like I'm so thankful that now we don't have to do that anymore. And that's like more of a every now and then thing. Um, But I just, I think back to some of the decisions that I made during that time and things that bothered me and it wouldn't, things that would not have bothered me in any other time were just like amplified because of the level of stress that you're under in this, you know, very fast paced life. And it's so fun. You talk to people and you're like, oh yeah, I get to travel every week. And they're like, oh, how how great for you. You must see all these wonderful things. And you're like, well, I see a lot of a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it definitely starts to put things in, in perspective. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that journey with us. And it it leads me to my next question, which is all of these ventures beyond Strala that you've been involved in. So we've kind of touched on it. Carla mentioned that you're an author. So you've written several books. You also have a podcast now. I mean, it's all connected to Strala, right? And your purpose. And then you've also done, I can't even remember how many like partnerships you've done, but I know the one that comes to mind is working with Reebok, all of these different things. How did you decide which of those ventures to give your time to? Because at some point you do get overwhelmed. Right. Sure. Well, with the books, I always, I think a lot of authors feel this way, but it was something I always wanted to do was to write, you know, articles. And then, then there was blogs. I didn't know what to call them at the time. I still called them articles, but they were blogs <laughs> or posts, I suppose. But I always loved sharing in that way. And I think with book writing, at least from my experience, it wasn't something that I could do on my own. It needed to be a collaboration editor with a publisher, that kind of a thing. So I was writing blogs and was kind of working toward that goal in my own mind, whether anybody else was on board with that or not, it was in my own mind. And one thing kept leading to another. Some of the blogs I was writing on Huffington Post got some views and some opportunities started to come my way for writing a book. So that was my experience, but I was definitely working toward that. I wanted that idea. I also just saw at the time, and I'm sure everybody feels this way who wants to write a book. I didn't see many books on yoga that were modern or accessible. There was a lot of the historical books at at that time. Now there's so many, which is good, but there's always room for everybody's idea, which I think is so great about reading everybody's story and you have more time and space in a book to really express yourself and share. So I love that format as well. And then for partnerships, I'm sure a lot of girls and some guys and just people in general feel this way, but I was doing yoga and I couldn't find anything to wear that I really loved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So again, in the back of my mind, I'm 
I'm not going, I'm not independently wealthy, so I'm not going to be able to go find a factory. And I know that it's really expensive to make clothing from start to finish. And that's not my main interest, my main passion. I didn't go to design school, so I'm not qualified in that way. I didn't feel qualified in that way, but I really wanted to meet a big company that could make clothes that were comfortable, that weren't these kind of suck in everything feeling or whatever and and soft fabrics and soft things. And that kind of wasn't around at the time yet. There was kind of just the beginning of Lululemon. And there was a lot of these very small kind of one person clothing brands. I knew this girl, she was amazing. I think her brand is still around called Persia and she would tie dye clothes in her sink and kind of cut and sew them. And these kind of things were around, but I really wanted to, in the same way with yoga, show people that you can wear something to do yoga and that helps you feel better too. I know clothes are superficial and all of that. So meeting Reebok was really cool. And I went in and they approached me to, to meet. I just had an article in the New York Times that got a lot of attention. So that was one of the opportunities that showed up to my inbox. And I took the train to Boston to meet with them. And there was really no plan or idea. And I met with one of the heads of marketing and one designer. And I just said to them, they didn't have a yoga range of clothing or really much clothing besides running shorts. And I said exactly what I said to you all right now about the yoga clothes. And they kind of said, let's, let's do it. <laughs> I said, okay, cool. Let's do it. So we figured out how to do it together. They are much more professional than me. So they kind of, you know, drummed up the contract and, and these kind of ideas. And and we got to work together. At first, it was going to be two years and then it ended up being five years. It was really fun. And they got to see Strala grow and they were a big help to me to actually go to a lot of these places around the world to do events and classes and support this. And I started learning more about sustainability within clothing. And I said, maybe we can do this thing I'm learning about called dry dye, where you don't use so much water. So they started doing that. And it just started to become a nice friendship with a lot of the people that were working there. And, you know, people are people everywhere you go and everybody wants to make a difference and have fun and do something exciting. And I think I always come in when I get an opportunity, at least to come into a big company, I feel like I don't have anything to lose and I'm not really asking for anything. And I want to see what we can create together with my ideas and anything that I can also support and create something that helps people and is sustainable in some way and also fun. So my experience working with them is a lot of traveling around the world, doing really cool things, but also a lot of hanging out in the office, doing yoga with the seamstress who's, you know, measuring everything and her shoulders are coming together. And I'm thinking, oh, what if you did a little bit of this, a little bit of that? And I'm still in touch with one woman who was hooked on drinking Cokes. Like she would have 15 Cokes a day. And I said, what if you switch every Coke and then have a water, every Coke and have a water? So we still talk <laughs> about that. And for me, that's the experience of working with these big companies is, okay, let's see how we can do something together if they want to do something with me. And then we're kind of off to the races. And 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 working with a big company is great for me because Strala had at least at that point also been people around the world and I wanted to go and meet them. It wasn't just people local in New York City. So that was a great vehicle for me. I saw that 
working with them would help me go to Malaysia and meet Erna, who I knew online, <laughs> and it would help me go to Tokyo and meet Shiho. So I would say, can we do something in Tokyo? Can we do something in Malaysia? And I've got friends in Paris and they'd say, okay, let's strum up, strum up together an event and make this happen. So I've just had a lot of really good collaborative experiences. They haven't been like plucked out of a discovery channel or we're looking for this person that can fit in this box to do this thing. And maybe that happens out there. I'm not sure. I, it just hasn't been my experience at all. Yeah, I had no idea that it was all, a lot of the travel was Reebok related. That's so neat that you got to plan events with them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it was Reebok. And then I would sometimes stay and then plan a Strala event or do a Strala event and say, okay, I'm going to be in Barcelona. We're opening a partner studio here. And they would say, okay, let's do something in Madrid. And then I'd kind of hop over because once you're over and you've got the big flight taken care of, then you can just do that or do that. So yeah, we would kind of sync up our schedules and work everything together. It sounds so fun. <laughs> I know you You say you don't consider yourself a celebrity, but all of this you realize is not just like any regular person's day-to-day -day life, right? Just jetting off to, to Europe and working with Reebok. So I think it's, it's particularly cool. I think it's really neat. And I imagine that as you're choosing these different projects, whether it's writing books partnering with different editors, partnering with companies like Reebok, it's got to be important, I'm sure, that your values are aligned, right? That they're incorporating their values into their business in a way that also aligns with, with what's important for you. And, and that's something that Natalie and I talk a lot about, right? Like this whole show is founded on what success means. And success really is about pursuing the things that are aligned with your values and aligned with what's important to you. So of course, I have to ask the question, what is important to you when it comes to success? Like when you think about that word, what comes to mind and how has the way that you look at success evolved over time? This is why I love your show because you just get right to it. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my gosh. I think before in my early kind of climbing toward the things that I wanted, idea of success, it was this very kind of almost immature everywhereness that was the goal strala everywhere and guides everywhere people doing things and kind of a, a guerrilla takeover of the world in this way i wanted to put this energy in that yoga can be fun and feel like you and easy and i wanted that to be everywhere you know that was the that was the goal and i think that's why i was really interested in lots of different mediums whether it was having a studio and working with instructors and books and clothing and other partnerships to kind of reach into these different areas. And now I feel like that's important and I'm still proud of that, although it kind of makes me laugh a little bit that let's be everywhere kind of a thing because you're only where you are right now and everybody represents themselves everywhere they go. But success for me is really feeling at peace and in some way, knowing that when I make an effort, it's useful or feeling useful in some little way. Uh, we got this house here in Southern Illinois close to family during the pandemic, and now we're kind of back in the world everywhere again. But it was a really great year or so to kind of say, okay, the everywhere is gone now in the, during the 2020 years. And I'm super happy to go and lead a class in the town square with whoever shows up. And that actually makes me just as happy without 
cameras there and without it being documented and without it being in a magazine, it makes me just as happy as the other times when I was doing something and it looked really cool for the picture, for the video or for the brand presentation. And just knowing that sharing what I love with yoga and all these different ways, however I can do it, really makes me happy person to person and moment to moment instead of this kind of big getting attention from the outside in. I actually saw an article that was written about you because you were teaching in the town square. I thought that was awesome. And it is all about that connection. I just, you know, I know that sometimes I dread teaching because I'm like, oh, after a long day, I don't know if I want to go and drive 20 minutes and do all this. But there's just something so powerful about being in person with a group of people moving together. And then there's this like electricity in the air after a class that mm. you just can't really describe. And I just love that you followed that sense of community and and what makes you feel good. And it's really admirable. Oh, I think it's just so fun. I mean, I also know, you know, I've got to also meet and become friends with really smart people that have been doing this for a long time and hearing them talk about the science of well-being and how when you do things that kind of appear are for another person, it's so good for you. It's actually better for you. So I think just reminding myself that that's true and then doing something one-on-one -on -one with somebody in Illinois when nobody's going to, you know, clap for me or whatever. And I know that, oh my gosh, I've just stacked up some health points for myself or that electricity that you said, it's so real. I wish, you know, the scientists would figure out how to measure that or show that. And so I'm sure in maybe a couple of years that'll happen. Maybe, oh, the electricity yeah. after yoga, it's bright yellow with sparkles everywhere. The aura, yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's, it's, it's cool. And I feel like that's just, it's so fun and rewarding and real too. It doesn't feel like a chore. And I'm glad that you're sharing that too. Absolutely. And it's, it is funny. It's like, I, I really have been thinking about it a lot. I think that feeling afterwards is just like the goodness of human connection. And it sounds mm. so like, you know, la la land a little bit, but it really, I really think that that's like a condensed feeling of connecting with other people. That's just my working theory, but maybe they will figure it out. <laughs> I love it. We have neighbors here that are not yoga people at all. And the, the mom has some nerve damage in her arms. So I'm kind of figuring out, it wouldn't be somebody that I would invite to do an online class or an in-person class. She's, she's a no for that. I know she would say no, but going over to her house and showing her a little bit of just simple breathing by just doing it myself. And then she looks at me and says, what are you doing right now? That looks good. <laughs> she doesn't do <laughs> exactly what you said. It doesn't need to be a formal class even at all. It can really be this every time, kind of all the time self-care or kind of leading yoga secretly everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah. Not forcing people, but just just leading by example. So this show is really what inspired Natalie and I to, to launch this podcast was to inspire women to pursue success, like I mentioned earlier, in a way that feels authentic, aligned with our values. So I'm curious, you know, for our listeners, you know, women that are on this journey to define success for themselves in that way, what advice would you would you share? Oh, I love it. Women are changing the world always. <laughs> We're doing it. 
I think the the most important thing, it sounds so corny, but it's so easy for most women to feel burned out because we give so much and to really understand that self-care isn't just not selfish, it's necessary in order to have that thing that you want to do work. So whether it's taking time for your practice and eating well, taking care of yourself, but also figuring out a way how to nurture yourself while you're doing the work of your business, while you're reaching your goals. So having your Zoom meeting and sitting in a comfortable position, rolling around a little bit instead of coming in with this idea of, okay, this is my agenda and I need to get this done. Those things will happen because you're smart and you're doing it and you're you're working toward your goals, but not kind of forcing that to happen in your own mind or causing yourself stress, kind of this double doing kind of a thing. And that really clicked for me within the physical practice of yoga. You know, you can be in a warrior two and get yourself in the right position and just hang in it and watch your breath kind of move through you. Or you can get there, hang in it, watch your breath move through you and then think, well, I'm not doing enough. So I need to stress out a little bit in my warrior too. So that really made a lot of sense to me physically. And that's something that's helped me so much in pursuing my goals and dreams is finding that ease in the things that I'm doing. So whether I'm working or on a plane, even instead of thinking, oh, I'm on a plane again, whatever. (sighs) What can I do right now? I can bend myself a little bit. I can roll around a little bit. Okay. Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Do I need a nap? You know, like kind of like treat yourself like a little baby. Do I want to write a book or do I want to read the news right now? What do I really kind of want to do? And giving yourself permission to have that self-care time be sustainable, not just in your moments where you're actually carving out the time, but in those all the time moments. And then it doesn't become this kind of play between I'm busy, 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 I'm accumulating stress, and then I'm almost burned out, then I need to go back to self-care. And we're kind of rubber banding between those two modes. So finding ways to be good to yourself while you're giving your TED talk, while you're uh, picking out your brand colors, while you're doing all of those creative, exciting things that you really want to do, find a way to do it in a way that's that's good to you because you deserve that. And also we need your work. <laughs> Let us know what it is. Totally. For listeners too, the, the kind of hesitation for so many high achieving goal-oriented people is, okay, that's nice, but I really want to get everything done. And the, you know, it's not so, maybe it's super nerdy to say, like the science of taking care of yourself gets you more done. (laughs) So I think this, this is a reminder for myself as well, like taking that walk, you'll come back and you'll get more done or breathing while you're editing your work or writing your next book will help you get more done and and make it better, make your work better in that way. And I think that's just so necessary for, for women and probably men too, but mostly probably women who feel like, oh, I really need to work extra hard to, to be noticed and to get ahead and to sort of do all of that. But you're working hard anyway. You don't need to stress while you're working hard. <laughs> I actually had a microcosm of this over the last few days. So Carla knows that I started a new a new project at work and it kicked off today. And I'm the one who's leading it. So I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's a little scary because this is the first time I've led like a big team and, um, you know, there's a lot to do. And so I went to bed last night thinking about it and I was like, you need to like read a book, chill out, don't think about it for a while. 
then I woke up this morning at like 5.30 a.m. thinking about it. And I was like, okay, I, I have time before this meeting. I just need to take like maybe five minutes and chill. Like take care of myself. Don't do anything for like five minutes. Drink your coffee. And then you can tackle all of the things that you need to do to like prepare for this. Um, but I had that moment of very clear choice. I could either jump right into this very, very early or I could take a few minutes, which I mean, five minutes is nothing. I spend five minutes looking at my phone, you know, and it really did help. I felt a lot more capable today when I entered that space. Um, I was still nervous, but it, it definitely helped. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did that for myself. So these are things that I've taken from, you know, learning from people like you and Carla and, and others. So it really is real. So cool. We're all here to support each other. Absolutely. So final question here, what advice would you give to a younger Tara? So say like a, a 20-year-old Tara in New York City, given all that you've learned over the subsequent years. I would, I would definitely say slow down. Everything that you want is going to happen. So you don't have to freak out and panic in every moment. I think I did a lot of fast action and jerky action, jerky movements and nervous actions and things like that. So definitely slowing down and take good care of yourself. I ate way too many gummy bears <laughs> and way too much soda. <laughs> so I did learn how to, you know, cook better and, and cook more and, and find the good healthy restaurants and things like that. But I definitely leaned a little bit too heavy into the sugar and caffeine zone. And I would say you don't, you don't need that. You can find that energy in so many other ways. Amazing. Well, Tara Styles, thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking the time to join us today. It's, it's been just totally fun for me. I know probably for Carla as well. I'm really excited to share all of this wonderful advice and information with all of our followers. Thank you. You both are amazing. And this is a big highlight of my week. So I really appreciate oh, it. Great. Oh, that <laughs> makes me so happy. Can you let us know where people can find you online? Sure. Yeah. So I finally hunkered down and got a website with my name, terrastyles.com, but it really just links to Strala, but it has linked to books and, and things like that a little bit more about me. Strala is really about the whole community and things like that. We have our Strala Yoga app now. The website is stralahome.com, and that's been two years and a project I'm really grateful for, bringing everybody together to do yoga in this way virtually to feel better, of course, but it's all in one place. Before that, it was in multiple, multiple places to do online things, which I think is great too, but really grateful for that. But everything kind of links everywhere else, which is one of the cool things about the internet right now and all the social links are there. And I think that's where we all kind of hang out anyway. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, we, we will link to all of this in the, in the show notes so people can find you. If I may give a plug, I will read the full title <laughs> for your book, Clean Mind, Clean Body, A 28-Day Plan for Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Self-Care. I am really enjoying that book and highly recommend it. And we'll include the link to that as well in our show notes. Thank you so much, Tara. We'll Thank talk you later. so much, you both. See you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Successful. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuccessfulThePod. See you next time.